Open your Bibles to the twelfth chapter of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Simple title for this would be Practical Godliness. Practical Godliness. We're going to be looking at a number of very uh, practical imperatives that Paul gives the church at Rome and how we can apply them to our own lives. We're going to read the entire chapter, so follow along with me in Romans 12, starting in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, But all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually, members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches... In teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Verse 9 Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Indeed, our Father, we come to you today asking that you would help us. These are so important for us in our daily lives. We just read a list of things that tempt us, that we find ourselves falling into, sins that we backslide into, that we fall prey to, Father. We do not want to be overcome by evil, but we want to overcome evil with good. Now, Lord, as we look into your word and see what you have for us, we ask that you would bless the preaching of your word, encourage the hearts of everyone that is here. We ask that you'd be with our pastor and give him strength and return him to us soon. Thank you for this time that we can be together. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Practical godliness. Practical 
means how do we practice godliness? How, how does our godliness work out in practice? I've, I've been saved. Now what? I'm a Christian. Now what? You get, that, you get that question especially from young people, teenagers, young 20-somethings and whatnot, and they say, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? Well, that's a, that's a short, easy question that has a more complex answer. But we can look at some things that the Bible gives us in this passage specifically that directs us into the straight way. I've explained to my kids and I, th- I think this will make a lot of sense to you, but life is, I believe there's a song that says life is a highway, but life is a highway, and our goal as parents, and in a sense as, as elders to the flock of God, is when we see somebody, I'll just put it back in my family, if we see one of our children starting to swerve over toward a ditch, we have to apply some discipline and get them back on the straight and narrow. There's ditches over here, there's ditches over here. There's all kinds of things that we have to be diligent in watching over the direction of our kids. And I think that's the same way with the body of Christ, with Christians. I don't know of any, I don't know of a single Christian, I'm willing to bet nobody here was perfect once they were saved. Obviously, from justification, you're declared righteous in God's sight, but we still have a life of sanctification where God molds us and shapes us and, and spanks us from time to time and keeps us between the ditches so that we can go on and, and live lives that glorify God. We have all seen, in fact, the world loves to throw this in a Christian's face, that we have seen people that call themselves Christians living in such a way that is anything but Christian, anything but that honors Christ. And so people like to use that as an excuse to, to, to straight arm the church. I'm not going to go to church places filled with hypocrites. Well, they're right. We are hypocrites. We don't want to be hypocritical. None of us are perfect yet. But by God's grace, by the admonition and what we're presented here, very, very practical things, we can see and learn to live a life that is consistent and that glorifies Christ. Because inconsistency is something that the world loves to find. If you say X and you do not X, the world loves that. And then they can use your life to, 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 uh, to ignore the reality of God. In fact, there's a passage in the scripture, I didn't even look it up, I didn't have time, but it talks about that because of certain people's lifestyle, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. Because of the way they live and behave and speak and, and tear down one another, people don't want anything to do with it. So the name of the Lord is, is blasphemed. So what? You're, you're a believer. Now what? What am I to do? What am I to do now? Or as Francis Schaeffer said, how then shall we live? We're going to look at that. Practical godliness. Romans 12 is, is so rich, and there is not enough time, even if I had prepared, there's not enough time to do it justice. We're going to do kind of a little bit of a flyover, hopefully grab some things along the way that we find practical and useful, and hopefully there's some things that, that you will see. But one thing I want you to notice is there is a list of imperatives. Imperatives throughout this passage commands. Some of them I'm going to have to tweak a little bit to pull them out of the text so you can see that this is a command. This is, you know, it's do this or don't do that. These imperatives. So if you're looking for imperatives, if you're looking for guidance, if you're looking to see how I'm supposed to live when I wake up on Monday morning and Tuesday morning, you don't have to look too much farther than this passage. So let's dig right into it. Um, How then shall we live? Let's start and see what Paul says in Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore. All right, we've got to stop right there. Whenever you see a therefore, you ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Okay? Well, this is, uh, if you remember, and we always talk about this, but Paul wasn't writing the book of Romans, and he's right, okay, chapter 11, verse 25. And, you know, 
He did not do it that way. He just wrote it. It's a letter. And later on, it was, it was divided into chapters and verses for our reference. So when you see a therefore, you always say, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, you just go back one verse, and we can see why he is going to go ahead and give us this, this list. So here is, a, here is a great statement on the sovereignty and the perfection and the glory of God. In the last verse of chapter 11, verse 36 is, For of him, Christ, and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Therefore, by the mercies of God... I beseech you, I just twisted that around a little bit, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sometimes we don't get to do what our bodies want to do. I've been dieting for a while. Let me tell you something. There are some things my body wants to eat that I don't get to eat, and I miss them. What I'd give for a donut, but we're not going to go down that road. This is not talking about eating. This is talking about godly living. By the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice. As a believer, there are things you are no longer to say. There are places you should no longer go. There are conversations you should no longer have. There may be people you should no longer be hanging out with. That's hard, but it's true. Okay? Um, there's an illustration I, I used to use when I would teach youth of, of a chair. I don't want to get off camera or away from the microphone, but I would set up a child, a, a teenager or whatever, on, standing on a chair and one standing beside them, and they'd hold hands. And I always use the illustration that the, the kid standing up on the chair, way up in the air, this was the Christian kid trying to live a godly life. And part of, part of the illustration is he, I'd say, okay, now you try to lift up the, 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 your friend that is not a believer. You're holding hands. This is talking about being unequally yoked, if you don't know. You grab him by the hand. You try and lift him up to the spiritual plane. And he, he'll grab that. He had the, they're holding hands, and he'll tug and tug, and that guy's like, no. Nah. But if you're unequally yoked with unbelievers, I said, now, I tell the kid that's standing on the, on the ground, and you got this kid trying to live the high life or the high road or whatever, I said, bring him down to your level. Without any effort, down he comes. Gravity, leverage, all of this. But it's a great, it's a, a great illustration of how we need to be careful of who you hang out with, what you listen to, what you watch, all these very practical things. And like I said, we're talking about a lot of practical godly living today. Present your body as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice, in many ways, is something, back in the old days, there's sacrificial language here, but today we can also illustrate it as, there's just some things you're not going to get to do that you used to want to do. There's just some things you're not going, well, let me change that. As a new creature in Christ, you're not going to want to do some things. You're not going to want to sin in the way you did before. Are you ever going to fall back into it? Possibly. But this is, a, this is where your want-tos get changed. You present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, a sacrifice is laying there bleeding all over the altar, right? It's not living. It's dead. Okay? It's bloody. It's bad. A living sacrifice is something that is certainly very much alive, alive in Christ. But there are sacrifices that we make. There are things, as a Christian... You have decided, I will not do anymore, I will not say anymore, I will not laugh at anymore, I will not listen to anymore, and on and on and on. Practical, practical godly living. You present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, which means set apart, acceptable to God. And I love the last few, verse, few words of, of verse 1. You might underline it if you've got your Bible out. Which is your reasonable service. It's your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable. God's demands on us are not, we have a whole big checklist and, and it's just going to suck all the fun out of our life. No way. This is, this is reasonable. What, what he has, has commanded us is for our good. 
It's reasonable. Not unreasonable. It's our reasonable service. Verse 2, more practical, godly wisdom here. And do not be conformed to this world, to the system of the world, to the values of the world. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not become like your unsaved friends or relatives. Do not be conformed to this world. I'm going to keep saying it until it sinks in. Do not be conformed to this world. There is a magnetism to the world, to the world system, to the world's values, to the world's morality or immorality. That's why, that's why sin is so tempting. That's why Satan has such a, a, a grasp on many, especially in the church. Lots of temptation out there. Do not be conformed to this. This is an imperative. This is not Paul saying, hey, eh, if you feel like it, don't. He's like, no, don't. This is for your best. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You renew your mind through studies of the, study of the scripture. Doing good godly practices, prayer, scripture reading, thinking on the scriptures. Letting, letting God say, God, change me. None of us have arrived. I promise you, I know all of you, and you know me, and none of us have arrived. We need God's help to mold us, to shape us into something useful, into a beautiful vessel that he can use for his glory. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your, the renewing of your mind. <clears throat> We're going to look at some stuff in here that's just kind of a good example of this where I know these things. I've read these things before. But sometimes when you read over a passage, you get whacked upside the head with a baseball bat again. They hit you hard. That's why we have to stay in the scriptures. Read the scriptures. Stay in the scriptures daily because you'll get numb to them. Because you you get so familiar or you'll just, you'll, you'll get lax, you'll get lazy. And that's where the devil gets a foothold. I don't have to list to you the number of people who have who have lived an otherwise godly life, maybe been in church leadership, maybe been a good friend of yours, and they get out of the scriptures, they stop praying, they stop being among the people of God, and they fall off a cliff. And you read about them in the newspaper. And they bring reproach to the name of Christ. Don't be them. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I think we can all say amen to that. So, For I say, this is verse 3, for I say, through the grace given to me, and remember, I want you to keep track of how many imperatives we see here. And, and for the kids, imperatives, when God says through his word, he says, do this or don't do that. It's an imperative. It's not, it's not a suggestion. It's an imperative. It's like, do this. Okay? Do not be conformed. Whoa, Will, where are you? Okay, verse 3. Uh, For I say through the grace given to me that everyone, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I really probably need a mirror right about here. And I need to read this about 15 times. This is a sin we all fall into. We've become puffed up with pride. We think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. God knows us. Everybody else around doesn't. God knows our inward thoughts. God knows our desires, our sins, our proclivities to sin. He knows us. We know it, but we can, we can really put on a, a pretty nice outward appearance, get all dressed up for church on Sunday, and act holy, and just kind of maybe act a little bit better than we really are. He says here, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I love this part right here. Think soberly. It's not talking about not drunk. It's talking about sober, reflecting. You have anything you have that's good in you didn't come from you, by the way. Okay? That's, that's sobering. 
That'd be like my kids going and bragging about how, uh, you know, look at these sweet shoes I've got or whatever. I don't even think they say sweet shoes anymore, but whatever. No, you didn't pay for those. I paid for those. Yeah, you, you can't brag. Okay. So that's like us bragging before people about our holiness or our spirituality or anything that is good in us came from God. And the sooner we get our minds around that, the easier it's going to be to think soberly. Because at the end of this verse, it says, As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So you can't brag. You ever play cards? You ever brag about your cards? Isn't that stupid? If somebody dealt you a hand of cards, you're like, wow, I got three aces. <laughs> I got three. No, no, no. That was dealt to you. You know, I'm not trying to get you guys all wanting to go play cards or anything. But this was something that was given to you. So anything that's good in you, you should be humbly grateful for, but not brag about it. Do not think any more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. The faith that you have is a gift. God gave it to you. Use it. Exercise it. And we're going to get into more practical things here throughout. Now remember, we're looking at imperatives. Here we go. There was another one. It says, don't think more highly. That's an imperative. Don't think more highly. Don't think of yourself as being super holy. Understand your own frailty and understand the people. Every Christian is on a bit of a road, if you will. The Christian highway, if you will. Some people are way down the road, way more sanctified, way more holy, way more, they have way more scripture memorized. But every Christian, and some people have very little scripture memorized, some people struggle with different kinds of, we all struggle with sins, some people struggle with different kinds of sins, and on the life's highway, if you will, the Christian highway, they're way back here. But don't look down on them because everybody started there. Everybody started here, and we progressed by God's grace. So don't, look, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly, because God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, this is talking about the church, we have many members. We have a lot of people here today. All members do not have the same function. So we being, we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. That is beautiful because we are interconnected. Okay? You are not a Lone Ranger Christian. That's why we come to church. We sharpen each other. I am not a foot. You are not a hand. You are not a stomach. You are not a, a toe. We need each other to form the body. That's why this illustration is used. And if you think that you, if you think some people here are expendable, like we don't need that, we don't need that kneecap. You know, no, we need every single part doing its purpose, fulfilling the calling that God has given each one of us in humility. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. You shouldn't. Bra- if you're an elbow, you shouldn't brag against the finger. Okay, or and I'm just, I'm just trying to bring this back into the body illustration that's presented there. We all have a place in the body of Christ. We all have a purpose. We all have, have a, a calling to fulfill, a ministry to fulfill. Some people, their ministry is very quiet. It's behind closed doors, and nobody sees it. Okay? I, I, I would, at running the risk of taking away somebody's blessing by mentioning a lot of the stuff they do behind the scenes, I'm not going to do that. But you have a ministry. We all have a ministry that we have to fulfill. It is a calling from God upon our lives. We do it quietly because we are slaves of the king. We are slaves. I happen to be standing up here with lights on me this morning. But I am in no wise any better or any more important to the kingdom of God than anyone else in here. Verse 6, having then gifts differing, that's what we just talked about, and according 
uh, differing according to the grace that is given to us. Remember, this is a gift. It's, a, it's just a, we just have different gifts. Let us use them. Let us use our gifts. What is your gift? I don't know, Will. I don't know. I just show up to church, and go on about my week, go to work. No, I want you to think about it. We're told different things that people can do. Think about what is my gift? How can I serve the Lord when I leave this place? How can I serve the Lord when I leave this place? How do I serve him? We have gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Nothing that you've earned. You don't get a shiny um, uh, gift that is very showy, necessarily. God has given you work to do. God has given you a gift to exercise among the body, to build one another up. Just take a side note real quick. That's what's, you know, I hope you've had a chance to look through your directory. If you didn't get one last week, we've got them laid out there. Be sure and take one. We need to use those to pray for each other, to encourage each other. But understand, everybody in that directory has a different gift. Not everybody is the same. We're all needed. We're all needed. Everybody has a different gift, a different calling. You are are put in a different circle of friends. Jim, you know people I will never meet in my life. You have a ministry to them. Everybody in here has their circle of friends, relatives, that that they uniquely minister to. So verse 6, having gifts, then differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. These are just another list. There's another list of spiritual gifts, but these are some very practical ones here. We're not going to spend time on each one. He who exhorts in exhortation. Do you, do you have a gift of exhorting people? Use it. Encourage them. Build them up. He who gives with liberality. One thing I would, I would you know, just on, on some of these, I made some notes and I just ran right over them here, but... Um, um, Gifts differ according to grace. He who gives, give with liberality. Now, it's easy to become very cynical in the day we live in, right? We think, well, who can I give to? And, you know, do I write a check to, you know, this charity or that charity? Uh, what, what about when I get accosted at the stoplights in, on the streets of Springfield? You know, the guy out there with his sign and, you know, uh, we've, all had, we've all had experiences uh, seeing those people, and you, and and you find out what's really happening behind the scenes, you get jaded, don't you? Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that again. I've got a story. I'll tell you real quick. A number of years ago, I was in college at Lincoln Land out here, and a um, guy was out there uh, had a sign up right out there by uh, on on Veterans, right by the shopping center where Walmart is. I can't remember. And uh, he's like, a, "Need food or hungry? Please help." Well, I'm not cold. I can afford a couple cheeseburgers. This is back in the glory days of the United States of America when McDonald's had two double cheeseburgers for $2. Kids, sorry, I think those days are gone, but that was the glory days of America right there. So I was on my way home, and I, I saw that guy. I'm like, you know what, Will? You can spare two bucks. So sure enough, and here I am. I'm not trying to brag about a good deed here. Turn around, exit, do a U-turn, probably illegal to U-turn. I go back. I'm on my way home from Lincoln Land, and uh, I go through the McDonald's drive-thru. I'm going to get this guy a couple double cheeseburgers and change his world, you know, because I'm such a good guy. So I get these two double cheeseburgers, and, I, and because of where he's standing, I have to go all the way back up to 72, do a U-turn, and then come back, get in the turn lane. The turn lane there takes forever. It always has. Finally get up there to him, and I hand the bag out the door to him, out the window, and I'm thinking, man, I'm... This guy's going to be able to go over there and sit down and have a meal. You know, I did something good today. Oh, so he runs up. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. 
takes it over, down over the edge of the, the ditch there, and puts it on a pile of food. He had, he had McDonald's bags. He had whatever else. He had all these bags of food just piling up. And Will became on that day, well, Will's kind of a country boy. I don't get to the big city very often, so I didn't realize how things worked. Will got pretty jaded that day about these clowns. So let's just say there hadn't been a lot of double cheeseburger runs since then. But it really, it really affected me. And you don't want to use someone's dishonesty or somebody's um, questionable living to dissuade you from truly serving God with a clear conscience. There's got to be a point where you help who needs help, and what they do with it is up to them. I had the means, McDonald's had the burgers, we got together, and whatever he did with it, he's got to answer to God for that, not me. So that's a, that, that was a detour. There's not in my notes, so of course I don't have a lot in my notes. <laughs> but uh, if you have been, and, and let me go back to here, he who gives with liberality, God sees and God knows. And here's, here's a fun one. God provides opportunities. God provides opportunities for you to exercise each one of these gifts. I just talked about giving. But if you have a giving heart, if God has blessed you with material wealth or even the ability to afford a couple cheeseburgers, he's going to provide you with opportunities. And what they do with it, once it's out of your hands, is not your responsibility. You, we are called to be faithful. God provides opportunities to serve in each of these various areas. Remember all these imperatives that were given. This is godly living. He who leads with diligence. Don't become slack. If you've put, been put in a leadership position, don't become slack. Be diligent. Remember who's king. You're not. I'm not king. Christ is king. And if you remember, if you always have that in your, in your mind, if you always have Christ as king as a perspective, serving is a joy. It's not an imposition. It's not, it's not difficult. It's a joy. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I'm sure sermons could be preached on each one of these because they're so important. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And then verse 9 and following, um, this particular MacArthur Study Bible, but it's, it has a heading in, ahead of each of these various sections. And this, the heading that was assigned, this is not... God breathed scripture right here. This is just kind of a heading when you're looking for topics. It says, behave like a Christian. I like that. So when we get into the practical, the meat and potatoes, let's follow along in verse 9. Oh, wait a minute. I had, I had one more. I, I forgot to finish reading that list. He who leads, let's go back up there to, uh, to verse uh, 8. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And he who criticizes with judgment and haughtiness. That's not in the Bible, by the way. Just making sure you're following along. He who criticizes with judgment and haughtiness. That's a, I just kind of threw that in there in jest, but you've got to remember there's so many things that we're tempted to do, even as Christians, even after reading so many things here, we all fall, fall prey to the temptations of the flesh. We don't, want to, we don't want to be the opposite of these various gifts. We want to be merciful. We want to lead we want to give. We want to be exhorters. We want to ex- exhort people to live godly lives, encourage them. We want to do ministry. We, we want to prophesy. Now, prophesy here, you know, it, there's, there is a, a there's two, it's kind of a two-prong, um, there's a revelatory and non-revelatory prophecy and we don't see the, the revelatory anymore, but it's, it's more like 
forth-telling or, or speaking the word of God. But when you do these things, you are, it is a, a ministry. We do it in proportion to our faith. We have differing gifts that he's given to us. Now verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, plain and simple, I say X, I do not X. How many of you have never been tempted with hypocrisy? No, me neither. It's very important. These things, this is such a humbling list. Because there's so many things that as we, even as we become more and more conformed to the image of Christ, as we are more mature, as we are more sanctified, we still have our pet sins that we slide right back into. This is a good reminder. This is a good reminder through here. Let love be without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, fancy way of saying do, I say X and I do not X. I say I'll do something, I won't. Or I say I like you and I don't. Or I say I'll help you and I won't. Or I, I guess it's probably more in, internal than that, where I have a, a, another, another answer inside that I never actually let out. It's dishonest. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Do you abhor what is evil? Abhor means to have a, a, not just a distaste, but a disgust at what is evil. What is evil? We can make a long, long list, couldn't we? But do we abhor it? Brother Dell mentioned uh, abortion in his pastoral prayer. I could hear it through the doors. Is abortion evil? Yes. Do you abhor it? Yes. It's not one of those to each his own kind of things. Do you abhor what is evil? Don't excuse it as to each his own, but do you abhor what is evil? God has told us what is evil. You either agree with God or, listen, you disagree with God. And if you find yourself in the latter group, you're in shaky ground. You're in dangerous, on dangerous ground. Abhor what is evil, but cling to what is good. What is good? The gospel, fellowship, love of the brethren, the scriptures, holy living, love, joy, peace. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. This is to believers. Are you kindly affectionate to one another? Are you kindly affectionate to one another? Some of us may be more prone to be more kindly affectionate to one than the other. You know, Be cautious. Be cautious not to, not to give preference. And that's what this just goes on to say. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. I think that's a great synopsis to encapsulate that. When you are kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. When you, in honor, give preference to one another... You want, who's one another? If you're not sure who one another is, bend your neck around. Okay, One another, here. Okay, In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, in so doing you're serving the Lord. That's how we serve the Lord. You want to serve the Lord? I want to serve the Lord. Get busy about serving the Lord. Here's how you do it. Pretty good, pretty good uh, synopsis right there. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. There's a good one. Patient in tribulation. Nobody wants to be patient during tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. This always presents an interesting word picture where 
we have it in our minds, in our society especially, where we have to assume a certain posture in order to pray, don't we? Okay? Eyes closed, head down, hands folded. Okay? I don't know about you, but I do my best praying when I'm driving sometimes. You don't want to drive like that, by the way. You kind of want to keep those eyes open, hands on the wheel, pretty important. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. You don't have to assume a physical posture of prayer, but you do need to assume a spiritual posture of prayer. Putting others ahead of yourself. Taking their needs to the throne of God for him to intervene. Continuing steadfastly in prayer, verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. Contributing to the needs of the saints. There are saints, believers, that have needs. And sometimes that it is presented to you alone. Sometimes it is presented to the church, and the church is able to, to do that without anybody else knowing, without anyone being embarrassed, contributing to the needs of the saints. You know, we have been, each of us have been given something. We, we have all been given a measure of, you know, whether it's enough money to go buy a couple double cheeseburgers for a guy that already has a stack of them, whatever you have been given, it's been given by God, don't hold it stingy. Contributing to the needs of the saints, and I'm not just saying a couple cheeseburgers, sometimes it requires more. Sometimes you'll never even tell, and I hope you don't tell. And Jesus said, don't ever let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Don't ever brag about a good deed done. I'm sorry about my glasses. I'm at that age. I don't even know where to, I don't know. So I'm always on and off with them. I can't read with them on. I can't see you with them off. I'm sorry about that. It's a mess. 48 years old. Continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Now the tough stuff in verse 14, and we're going to wrap up here in a little bit. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those that persecute you, who drive you out. For, and this is not persecute you because you're, you're better looking than everyone else or anything else. This is persecuting you because of your faith. And I don't want to sound like some kind of prophet or anything necessarily, but the days of public acceptance of true Christians are probably in the rearview mirror. The days of persecuting true Christians is coming. I don't know how far out it is. We see it more and more. You don't have to read too far into the news for them to label us, you, me, as radicals. People do not like our kind of radicals. Bless them who persecute you. When they persecute, bless and do not curse. Now you talk about that verse right there will preach all day long. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Do you do that? Do you rejoice with those who rejoice? Or do you have a a bit of a jealous bone? Or do I have a bit of a jealous bone? Sometimes, to be honest, it's hard to rejoice with those who rejoice when you're going through struggles, when you're going through hardship or trial or financial difficulty. But this is not given a caveat. This is rejoice with those who rejoice. These are things, practical Christian living. I like this next one. Weep with those who weep. Weep with those who weep. Do you? Have you? Will you? Ah, oh, that gets dirty, Will. That's, I'm not a crier. I just soon keep those people at arm's length. That's what social media is for. Just we can all put up our best self. And we don't have to get down into the weeds of our own emotions. Let's just keep, let's just keep all that, those weeping, that weeping business to ourselves. I promise you, almost every person in this room weeps. Weep with them. Carry their burdens with them. Love them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Another challenging one, isn't it? Don't have, don't, be, don't have preferences. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. 
Do not be wise in your own opinion. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Do not be wise in your own opinion. First one was part of the text. The last two were for my sake. We all have our sins. We all have pet sins that we struggle with. And pride is among the most evil, the most detested by God. And probably one of the ones that I struggle with the most. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So you may know the whole Bible. You, know, you may read it all the time. But sometimes, that's why so much of this is a recurring theme through the New Testament. Okay? This is Paul writing to the church at Rome, saying a lot of stuff he said to, in some of the other letters. Why? Because we all need this reminder. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Be of the same mind toward one another. All these things are very hard, unless you ignore them, then they're very easy. But if you're actually serious about serving Christ, if you actually are serious about, about ministry, about no longer me, I'm, not, I'm no longer living for myself and my interests, I'm living for him and his glory, here's a great list. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Moving on, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Repay no one evil for evil. You're not going to get back at them. You're going to let evil deeds go for the glory of God. Have regard for the good things in the sight of all men. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. These are very practical. Live peaceably with all men. But notice in verse 18 it says, if it's possible. There are some days, I'm sure, that are coming where it will no longer be possible to live peaceably with some men. You know, Paul and many of these writers of the New Testament scriptures, think about what they went through. They had people beating them. Raise your hand if you've been beaten for the name of Christ this last week. I'll know you by your black eyes and busted lips. Nobody in here. And yet some people pull back and get offended when we read something like this. Have, you know, repay no one evil for evil. Are you seriously going to say to God, well, you don't know what kind of evil they did to me. (laughs) Paul is writing this, and we don't have to look too far to see how much of a beating he took. Remember one time he was left for dead. They thought he was dead. And within days he was up ministering again. He didn't repay evil for evil. If it is impossible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And here it goes again, verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Don't pay people back. When they wrong you, let it be wrong. Turn it over to God. It's a sacrifice that you can give to God. You don't go after them and you don't repay evil for evil. Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine. Who does vengeance belong to? This is where you answer. Who? That's everybody now. Who does vengeance belong to? Will he repay? Yes, he will. It's not our place. It is not our place to take vengeance And to repay. We are the children of God. You know, you think about your own kids. And if somebody hurts them, you're like, I'll take care of that kid. (laughs) But it's not our place. Somebody hurts you personally, you want to go after them. The world goes after them. The world wants to make them pay and make them pay today. Or there's the other other expression, you know, uh, revenge is a dish best served cold or what is it? Anyways, you know what I'm saying. We, we, we plot, we scheme, we figure out how we're going to get back at these people. We're going to vindicate ourselves. And here's another hard truth right here in the 12th chapter of Romans. says, no, you're not. You serve Christ. You're one of his. You're not going to take vengeance. You're not going to make these people pay. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. 
And as mad as I would be if somebody hurt my kids, some of you have had your kids hurt, and you want to go wreak terror on some other kid that hurt them. Think about the, the wrath of God against his own sheep. And you won't feel the need to exact vengeance on these people. You are a child of God, and Daddy will take care of you. Not now. Today's not the day for wrath. Today's not the day for retribution. Today is you let God take care of you. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore in the scriptures, you're supposed to ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? What is the therefore, therefore? Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. That's hard. This is written by the hand of Paul that probably had blood stains on his hands. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If, if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not become overcome by evil. Is it tempting to become, be, be overcome by evil? Wanting to take vengeance? Yeah, it's easy. That's our flesh. You know, the flesh is like a, like a beach ball. You hold it under the water, but you can only hold it so long. It's wanting to pop right back up. And here we are given commands, not suggestions, commands from the Apostle Paul, inspired by God himself. Do not become, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All these things are very practical, very useful, and worth another look in a less rushed setting. But... I want to go back and I want to read verse 1 and then we will pray and dismiss. Look at your Bible. Bracket it, underline it, do whatever you can do in your Bible because it's a good one. Verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's do that. Let's pray. Indeed, our Father, we thank you for these admonitions, these corrections, so that we can engage in holy living, that we can put aside the desires of the flesh, because, Lord, you know our flesh sometimes wants to act out. We want to seek retribution. We want to seek revenge on those that have hurt us. We want to ignore those that seem less important. We want to act like we're holier than we really are. The only one that is holy is you, and we are broken, flawed vessels, and we need your grace day by day to serve you. And now as we sing to the best of our abilities, let us lift up our voices in praise And thanks to you. In Jesus' name, amen.